Lake Effect continues now on 89.7 WUWM. I'm Joy Powers. It's time now for our monthly segment on entrepreneurship. Hi, I'm Kathleen Gallagher, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and the executive director of Five Lakes Institute. And this is How Did You Do That? A show about successful entrepreneurs and how and why they succeeded. All of my businesses have really been, especially since I entered healthcare, about making a difference. And the great news about being in healthcare is people are super passionate about it. Glenn Tolman has an undergraduate degree in economics and psychology, spent a year in Oxford, England, studying social anthropology, and lived for a year with the Amish. And he's a highly successful software entrepreneur. Glenn has founded, grown, or invested in more than 20 businesses. During the 15 years he led Allscripts, the electronic health record company, he grew annual revenue to $1.4 billion from about $30 million. Glenn led three companies through initial public offerings, including most recently Livongo, which raised $355 million in July 2019 and was the most successful IPO in Illinois history and the largest consumer digital health IPO ever. Interestingly, not one of Glenn's companies got funding from investors in his native Chicago. In part to address that, Glenn founded Seven Wire Ventures, a venture capital firm focused on using technology to build companies that foster informed, connected consumers in healthcare and other areas. Glenn, welcome to How Did You Do That? Well, thank you. It's great to be with you this morning. Let's just start out with, you know, how did social anthropology train you to become a software entrepreneur? Well, it's interesting. Social anthropology is the study of how cultures change. And if you really think about it, um, the fastest way to change a culture today is using software. If you think about it, we've heard about the Facebook revolutions. We've seen the power of digital technology and not always in good ways as we've learned through the elections and the like. So really studying how cultures change is now about studying how we use different digital tools and electronic tools and hopefully use them for good means as opposed to bad means. Well, you've certainly been good at doing that. Um, Let's figure out where you came from. Uh, You grew up the youngest of six kids in the Chicago suburb of Highland Park. When you were in fourth grade, your family moved to New Jersey, but your oldest brother, Howard, eventually lured you back to Chicago. How? Well, I think that, um, you know, first of all, I really did grow up. The rest of the family grew up in the Midwest in the Highland Park area. And my dad received a wonderful promotion to New York. Um, when I was in fourth grade, as you mentioned. So my older sister and I were the two that were taken. The rest of the kids actually remained in the Chicagoland area and uh, and grew up there. And my oldest brother, as you mentioned, Howard lured me back. Howard was at the time starting his first business. He's gone on to be a very successful entrepreneur doing probably 35 businesses himself. So he was great to learn from, and it was a chance to spend some time with him. And that's really uh, why I ended up coming back to Chicago. It started as a family business, and I became very interested in what he was doing. Uh, Subsequently, he left uh, a year or two later and left me as a very young person running a public company. 
And consequently, it was a trial by fire, or I should say learning by fire, uh, but a really great experience. And at that point, I really fell in love with the Midwest because of the people, the values, the hard work ethic. And, uh, and that's where I built virtually all of my businesses. That is awesome. Um, after that, you went to Enterprise Systems, which you took public. Yes, Enterprise was uh, founded by a great entrepreneur, and he had asked me to join the board, which I did. And after a few years, he asked me to come in as the CEO and take it public. He was a great inventor, uh, a brilliant guy, but he basically said, I'm probably not the right person to take the company public. He asked me to come in and do it, and I did it. You know, the, the biggest uh, challenge or regret relative to enterprise was I only spent about two years there because not long after going public and then doing a secondary offering, HBOC, which is now HBOC McKesson, was acquired by McKesson. They came in and made us uh, the proverbial offer you couldn't refuse, and consequently, we sold the company to them. I would mention that they're still more than 20 years later, using some of that same software that, that we wrote way back in those, uh, in those early days. Well, even though you were there a short time, your next stop was Allscripts. And they were, at the time, Allscripts was raising a Series J preferred round. I'd never heard of a Series J round. <laughs> well, neither had I. In fact, there's a, a great uh, Harvard Business School case, and it starts off with a quote from me saying just that, which is, I never knew there was such thing as a Series J preferred. And for your listeners who don't uh, aren't familiar with those financial terms, what happens is when you're starting a company, you raise some money or you put the money in, and then you go to a group of people and you say, I need more money, but you're going to get your money back before anyone else. You are Series A preferred. So you can imagine then you run out of that money and you go back to another group and you say, you're going to be even more preferred than those Series A your Series B. Well, by the time you get to Series J, you have a lot of angry people who've lost their money. And uh, that's where we, uh, that's where I joined Allscripts. It was uh, $30 million in revenue, losing 13 and completely out of money. And uh, that's when I came in. And unfortunately, we, we had to probably for the only time in my life, let go most of the people in the company and sell the only profitable business unit they had to reinvent the company as uh, what we know today as an electronic prescribing company, but then was completely uh, uh, a shot in the dark to say, could we get physicians to stop writing these illegible paper-based prescriptions and actually use computers? And after a number of years, we were successful in doing that. So what I pull out of that is you're good under pressure. Well, I don't know about that, but um, you know what I would say is there's there's nothing like the motivation of knowing you might not have a job in the future to get you focused and working hard. And uh, I think that's something that, again, with a lot of help from a lot of wonderful people who are really committed, you know, all of my businesses have really been, especially since I entered healthcare about making a difference. And the great news about being in healthcare is people are super passionate about it. So whether we take uh, the days at Allscripts, when we converted a typical hospital 
or a physician group, a large physician group to electronic prescribing, we could actually calculate that year, that next 12 months, how many lives were saved. Because according to the Institute of Medicine, every year we lose, or at that time we lost, more than 6,000 people from preventable medication errors, preventable. And what that means is it could have been prevented by checking the handwriting, checking a weight to dosage, checking if someone was pregnant or not. All those checks, which are all done electronically now, um, those were rare. And so people would give somebody, they would, pharmacists would misread a prescription and give a young child 10 times the dose they should have. And we know the unfortunate uh, situations, consequences of that. So we were able to prevent that. So it was really, people were really passionate about it. Just like my most recent company, Lavanga, where we focused on chronic conditions, a third of the employees either had a chronic condition or had a family member who did. So the amount of commitment and passion and energy behind it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And that, that made the business not only successful, but tremendously fun to be a part of. I can hear your passion and the way you plug into that. And it dovetails with what uh, people say about you, that the financial success of your companies is not your primary goal, right? Well, it's really not. You know, again, when we, uh, when we were fortunate to merge Livongo into Teladoc to create the, the largest, the world's largest and first consumer-focused virtual care company. Um, when we did that, a lot of people talked about the, the price of $18.5 billion, which was in itself pretty astounding. But what our people talked about at the company was crossing a million members, a million people who woke up every day and used our diabetes solution or used our hypertension solution or used Livongo software and services to help manage their weight, or most important, perhaps, especially in the advent of the coronavirus, who used uh, our MyStrength behavioral and mental health products to help them stay more balanced and deal with all the anxiety and stress that they're under today. As if before it wasn't enough, now we have on top of everything else, coronavirus. So that's what made our people, that was really the milestone uh, that our people celebrated um, and the financials were second. And, you know, I've been fortunate, but the reality is my kids know, I think they heard it first on an interview like this, I'm giving all the money away. So this isn't about more money. It's about how do we make the world better? How do we solve this healthcare challenge and all the uh, inequities associated with our healthcare system. And I think we can all agree, I don't think the government's going to do it. So we have to do it. And we have to do it using digital solutions that make healthcare available to everyone, just like everything else we've done with digital, how it improves our world. When Lavanga went public, uh, you had a large group on the platform to ring the bell. How many people was that? Well, we took the largest group ever taken to, uh, to NASDAQ. It was important to me, and it's always important to me to, um, you know, across the organization, send a clear message that everyone is equally important. It's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and we all think the chef is the most important. 
but we all know intuitively that if the person serving the meal spills uh, the hot soup on your lap, you aren't going to say that was a terrific meal. And so everybody in the company had a role in the success. So what I did was when we knew we were going to push the button on NASDAQ, that I took all the people who were there in the first two years of the company. It didn't matter what their title was. They could be working in, in accounting as a clerk. They could be an assistant, a secretary. All those people went and were a part of that, what really was 24 hours, uh, dinner before, ringing the bell in the morning, the celebrations afterwards. And we left some very senior people who stayed back at our Chicago location, at our Silicon Valley location, at our Denver location. And uh, we left those people to celebrate with our teams back there. And we had video feeds and the like, but it was a message that says everybody is equally important in our success. And I think now today, you know, one of the few good things about the coronavirus is that we're celebrating what we've named essential workers. And we're saying, you know what, everybody's important. So the people who grow our food, who bring our food to us, who deliver it, who check us out at the stores, everybody has a role. And that level of mutual respect is a key to our success. It's always been that way in this country, and we have to more than ever get that back. Just one more question. You've, tell us about this company you're involved in called Cooler Screens. You've said that you think that'll be the most successful company perhaps to ever come out of Chicago. Yes. Well, Cooler Screens is a, a little bit of a departure from my healthcare focus. And that is, uh, I, I've known over the years an incredible entrepreneur named Arsen Avakian. And Arsen came and he founded a tea business first. And learning from that first business, um, he really had an idea about how do we get more in-store exposure for key brands, big and small. Because today, you know, we might see an ad on TV or we might see an ad on the internet, but when we're in the store, we really want to be educated. And when we go up to a freezer to open that door, a lot of times you can't even see it's fogged over. We go to get you know, a drink. And wouldn't it be nice if we knew everything that was in that cooler was properly displayed, it wasn't knocked over or what have you. And we could save the energy of not leaving that door open in the heat of summer while we're looking and deciding. And his brilliant idea, uh, which he was nice enough to not only bring me into, but bring another great name out of the Midwest, Greg Wasson, who was the CEO of Walgreens for many years while they were growing very rapidly. And he asked both of us to join him in starting this company. And it was really digitizing the front of those screens. And on the inside, we put cameras that could keep the inventory. So if, if consumer brands had an out of stock, we could notify them. So the consumer companies loved that. And the actual consumers loved the clear images that they could walk up and see what was in every one of those doors without standing in front of it and opening it. So it gave us the opportunity to get people more information right when they were ready to buy it. And we have about 55 stores in the Chicagoland area right now. And now we're expanding nationally to just under 3,000 Walgreens, but working with um, lots of other of the largest stores in the country. I won't name names, but you know who they are. It's where everybody shops and 
we'll have announcements coming on that. So that's just a, a terrific company that it works for consumers, it works for consumer brands, and it's growing very, very rapidly. It's a much better way to advertise than the internet or anything else because you really have choice and we put the consumer back in charge rather than being fed some ad uh, that they have no sense of. Well, it's going to be fun to watch that one. And uh, I guess we're lucky that your brother lured you back to Chicago so long ago. Thank you so much for spending the time with us to tell your story. Sure, it's great to talk to you and, and go Midwest. You can read more about this story and find links to resources by visiting wwm.com. You can also explore episodes of How Did You Do That at wwm.com, at the iTunes Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. 